This is the Off the Break Podcast, your podcast dedicated to current movie theater news, operations, and insights from the people that book the movies. Now, here are your hosts, Cody, Kyle, and Ken. All right, welcome back to Off the Break Podcast. I'm just Ken, here with Barbie and Ken. <laughs> Hi, Ken. I mean, Hi, Barbie. I mean, Cody and Kyle. <laughs> I am what? the Barbie to your Ken. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'm more of the Alan. You are the Alan in this <laughs> group for sure. Michael Sarah's a gift. I'm not, I'm not going to call you Alan, but yeah. Uh, Kyle works on an Alan level. Yeah, no, it does. No. It's okay. Kyle's already been used for like the monster energy drink punching through oh, drywall thing. That's true. It's too late. It's too late for Kyle. Totally represented like, by our Kyle. Just like since the 50s, it's been too late for Ken. For Ken. <laughs> Uh, well, we are dressed in our pink, or at least most of us are. Ken is <laughs> yeah. dressed Oppenheimer-like. I am dressed beach. He's dressed beach. beach. Okay, yeah. <laughs> With the button up. I'm Take that a, as what you will. I'm not a lifeguard. I'm beach. <laughs> beach. Cody and I have our pink because I think we have to celebrate Barbie. We do. Because it did outstanding. Biggest opening of the year. Oh, yeah. What was it? 150 million? 159. 59. So it went to 160 million. Uh, wow. Even for me, I thought this was going to do very big, but I wasn't expecting it to be at the peaks that this open, opening certainly was. 100 would have been a big number for this going into going into the beginning of last week. Warner Brothers would have said 100 was a huge number It's for just this. so funny because we thought, and we said out loud, we think Mission Impossible is going to be our last $100 million opening for the summer. Little did we know, bam, Barbie came on the scene. I and knew mission wasn't. And mission was so not. It's not even close. Yeah, definitely poorly timed. I mean, no one was anticipating Barbenheimer to become a thing, but once it did, I think it just went off the rails and everyone focused on that more than Mission Impossible. That's for sure. Otherwise, I think Mission Impossible would have held up uh, had it probably been placed on a second weekend. This is yeah. or a, a different weekend. Excuse it's me. It's entirely possible this could become like part of the the zeitgeist of 2023 oh my gosh like, yeah people so are when you look back Barbenheimer. and you're like yeah no for people that like graduated high school this year for people that got married you're like remember when barbenheimer was a thing right before we got married yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i graduated high school and then i barbenheimered and people are like what I is barbenheimered that, that whole weekend <laughs> but we have we have stupid stuff like this like cody and i tamagotchi yeah. in the 90s we like, did. if you don't know you don't know yeah you had to have been there <laughs> it was the thing oh my god this one time i found an old one at a lake reservoir and i freaked out and my children are like what is this thing i'm like (laughs) it's a tamagotchi you do not know what this was like i can't believe i found this this has got to be 20 years old (laughs) especially because they were like that well tiny like this big as we're surrounded by rocks that are hundreds of millions of years old but he's like this is 20 years old to to your kids it probably is as old as a rock (laughs) yeah Yeah. and and the sad part is it's probably older than 20 years because i just keep thinking the 90s are like 10 years ago right (laughs) So, so yeah sad so I take it for the theaters that you booked, um, whether it was for Barbie or Oppenheimer for both, uh, things went very well, right? <laughs> Can't complain. It was really good, very surprising, had huge numbers. It just really sucked the box office out of everything else. It was mm-hmm. really just dominated by those two yeah. films. So And Warner Brothers did the right kind of promotion for this. They did mm-hmm. the right thing and allowed 
locations that had week two of Mission Impossible to come in this weekend on the 28th? Yes, there were a few spots where that, they added them in. Where singles we're that very didn't have room for. last weekend were able to add it in. And yep. so, and we're adding dates consistently through August for places that haven't been able to get it on screen yet. And, mm-hmm. you know, Sound of Freedom was a, is, is still a, a good problem to have in these yeah. locations because it's putting up massive numbers still. Still, still. It doesn't seem, although I think it's going to get, this is the first weekend i think it might get soft but otherwise it has been going strong this whole time it doesn't help when our locations that did sold out shows for for barbie and oppenheimer over the weekend did sold out shows monday yeah it sold out shows tuesday Tuesday. yeah i was hearing that (laughs) i haven't had a movie except for sound of freedom that has not that has continuing the sold out shows through the week maybe mario but that was only in some spots because but it, mario opened before easter so yeah. monday was you know i'm sure it was busy but it was still a letdown it wasn't right i mean this was it was also during like the part of the school year as well yeah. so, so it so can't be done probably but this yeah. was warner brothers biggest monday ever wow warner brothers biggest tuesday ever mm-hmm. <laughs> on top of this because it's just carrying well, it, it's tu- a pink it's a pink wave tuesday it was <laughs> usually discount day so tickets are half price but you got t- twice as many but you people got so many more people it's just cody and i snuck out on tuesday we did. to <laughs> see it in <laughs> the biggest auditorium here we own our own company yeah. <laughs> we snuck out we snuck out <laughs> we snuck out yeah on it, a tuesday is actually very very difficult to do but we did it we did it so we could do the podcast and give you our honest reviews of this film yeah but uh we snuck out and it was the largest auditorium here which is probably 200 250 seats and it was 75% full. It was. It was packed. We you know? have snuck out quite a few times since the pandemic. And most of the time on a matinee like Empty. that, it's us or like a couple other couples. I think the one I saw the most was um, uh, Cocaine Bear. That one had some extra people in it. That was the Thursday early show, though. Right. We went out for that. But like No Hard Feelings um, was. No Hard Feelings was the closest Probably thing. like a third full. Uh, but not, it was like I wouldn't o'clock. even say that much. There was like three or four couples in there, including us. So, but it was the one of the times where we walked in, we're like, "Oh, there's other people in here." <laughs> oh, usually, usually you <laughs> it walk was in, shocking. But Did like, we go in the middle of a movie, our yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, because we have to actually sit in the seats we picked. Yeah, I know. Strange. Well, yeah, we've we had Oppenheimer projected at like forty to fifty. Sixty mm-hmm. would have been a big number, and did eighty. Yeah, I mean these are these are just like, awesome numbers. This for is an great adult for drama as well, like a right biopic, World War Two yeah. esque film. I would be interested to see how that holds up this week because I do credit, I would say like twenty million easily to the Barbenheimer fever for that film for sure. Sure, yeah. I mean, there was an article that they could quantify based off a survey of the people that said oh, we went and saw Oppenheimer only because Barbie was sold out. That that led to at least $5 million in ticket sales just from that one survey of people saying just that one thing. Weird how that works, right? Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine the letdown, though, if you, you're you with your wife, girlfriend, going and she's like, all in we're going to watch and, Barbie, yeah. and it's sold out because you, did, you didn't plan ahead. Right. Because it's your fault because you're the man, because yeah. you're the Ken. You're it's the your Ken. fault. And then you have to take her to... Take her to Oppenheimer. So she gets to look at black and white, naked Florence Pugh. Yeah. Who's either going to make her feel good or bad about herself. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then you're like, you're, then you're depressed at the end of it. 
Yeah, that was that was a rough night for those couples. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe the men at least enjoyed it. I don't know, but but I, I don't know. Could you have enjoyed it, Kyle, knowing that you're disappointing the gal next right next to you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Kyle. It was a really good movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna get to our Oppenheimer reviews later on a later podcast because Ken and I haven't got to see it yet, and we want to see it. So, so hopefully the craze will still be alive and it'll be timely it will. discussion. It will. And we got our tickets. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Well, knowing Universal, it's already out on VOD. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Don't bring that into existence. It's like a $24.99 rental. 24-hour 20, VOD window. Yeah. <laughs> it was great seeing a biopic almost make $100 million. Let's put it on streaming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's put it on Peacock for $199. Yeah. But we all saw Barbie this week. So, so we'll start with Kyle. That. Yeah. How did, what did you think of Barbie? Uh... I thought it was delightful. I had a really fun time with it. I thought that it did a good job in terms of like an adult sense of humor uh, playing up to like the older generations. I think on the surface value uh, or the surface level of it, I think kids could enjoy it, but probably more in like the 10 to 12 age range, not so much for any kids below that. Because at our screening, we were sitting next to a couple with their young daughter, maybe like five years old or a little below that and the entire time she's going what are we what are we doing what is going on here what <laughs> yeah. what are they talking about there's a lot of pink but i don't get any of those yeah exactly but at the same time though i could see it over time growing on kids to where if that same kid for example becomes a 10 year old and watches it she'll like it a little bit more on the service value and then over time mm-hmm. they'll get some of the deeper messaging of it all and really grow to appreciate it but so it's just good to see a movie especially um from a female director having a more female-centric voice rather than most blockbusters that have a more male-centric voice, mm-hmm. I would say, despite them being four quadrant movies, to just really play into that demographic and have that tone of voice and explain um, some some of the timely issues that go on with being a woman. But at the same time, it also flips it back on men, I would say, and it does a good job at aiming jokes towards both demographics yeah. to where everyone can enjoy it there was a group of guys probably in high school didn't bring any women with them it was just the four of them and they seem to have enjoyed it and they seem to have laughed at the jokes that were paid towards themselves and or and also towards women so um really great for general audiences mostly in the older age range i would say but also in terms of temple movies it's one of the more creatively directed ones that i've seen in a while unlike most others this past year with the exception of like maybe a John Wick or a Mission Impossible, but um, just really good influences from some past movies of um, of many years ago, but they play really well towards a modern audience here. So uh, I really enjoyed it, and it was a lot of fun seeing it in a crowded theater. Yeah. What do you think, I, I, Well, I feel for those high school boys that you said went and saw the movie because I think I saw Legally Blonde three times in the theater <laughs> on different dates. Nice. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we should totally go to a movie. Legally Blonde, cool. Go to a movie, any that's, movie. That sounds really Ladies, great. Ladies, when we went to our first movie, I picked 310 to Yuma. So Ken was probably like, oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, this is amazing. Ken had to force himself to stay awake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that it was a bad Keep movie. Keep burgers, beers, and 310 to Yuma. <laughs> oh, but what I thought of Barbie, it was so different in a good way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That they really just embraced this whole idea. The, the Ken's 
you know, being a Ken myself. The the Kens were just awesome. It was it was just <laughs> hilarious to see them beaching each other off. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then the they had, I mean I I don't love a dance number, but when they got into a dance fight, a dance off, <laughs> dance off, the dance war fight, of the Kens yeah. in Barbie Land. <laughs> it was no, Ken Dumb at that point. It's just nice. Yeah. Ken Ken historically for my entire life mm-hmm. was a punchline and he's still a punchline but it gives us like just a little bit of hope that ken is okay especially ken with how ken. hilarious ryan We're, gosling ken is. is he Knopf. was great simu simu lu was great mm. i mean it was it was just the perfect amount of 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 ken i'm glad to be associated with mm-hmm. this ken now oh gosh well i I'm not a Barbie person. I grew up, I hated Barbies. I hated anything pink. Even though I'm wearing pink right now, I hated anything pink. I was just the tomboy anti-Barbie growing up. And in fact, I went to this movie because we just kind of snuck out all dressed in black. I did not plan that. I just, there's so much pink going on. I think maybe subconsciously I needed to counteract it. You might it. as well have just walked in going, boo. I know. She was dressed like a stagehand on Broadway. <laughs> so all in black. Just running out, setting down the fake tree, and then running back off stage. Yeah. Black. <laughs> so... But I, I did enjoy it. I do think that it was um, filmed and written in a lens for Gen Xers. And I only feel like this is because when they did hint at the pride, women's love of Pride and Prejudice, they picked the Colin Firth version and not the Matthew McFadden, Karen mm. Knightley version, which I feel like is for millennials. So I felt that I felt a little taken out of it in that point. Um, I did love some of the super smart jokes in it. And I mean, besides the beach offline, because <laughs> there's Ken still some good dumb, ones. There's some good dumb ones. Oh no, like, that's, it's just, like, it's like, I'm a, she said I was a fascist, but I don't control the commerce and railroad like this. <laughs> that, that stuff was so clever and so funny. It's like, mm-hmm. you almost got to see it again because there was such good adult lines in it. Yeah. That um that you almost miss because they go by they are delivered and they go by so fast yeah for sure um, so I really enjoyed that um <laughs> I did think that at times and this is, sounds so horrible Ryan Gosling was a little too old to play again <laughs> I know I know it's terrible you but are I was, an ageist I know I'm, I'm so huh. bad yeah go back to last week everybody and listen to that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's a clip on our Facebook and Instagram page <laughs> and off the break podcast. Yeah. I know I caught Cody watching it, and I was uh, I was like, "Are you kidding me? Like this is this is out there?" Kyle put this out there <laughs> know, multiple so times. Doing it again, but Margot Robbie. Come and on, him, I have the power. I'm no, no, like, this Margot is Robbie, this is Gen multiple, X mil- multiple times, Barbies here. Multiple times this movie, I looked at Margot Robbie and was like, "She looks like a Barbie." There literally is a joke where. She feels so bad about herself because she's turning more and more into like a person rather than just a plastic doll. And literally in the middle of the joke, the narrator of Helen Mirren pops in and goes, by the way, the filmmakers are well aware that this is Margot Robbie, despite saying this stuff <laughs> right. about herself. She, she's <laughs> the wrong person yeah. Yeah, to we cast know. <laughs> here. Yeah. No, I <laughs> No, I she, yeah, she looks like a Barbie. She does. Ryan Gosling looks like he's painted. He's looked like he's made out of marble, just, Cody. What are you like talking a, about? Just the spray tan and the bl- super blonde hair. I just, I don't know. I just felt like he was 
You saw the abs, right? I did. I'm not saying that I he's did. not. All 12 of them. All 12 of them. <laughs> I'm not saying that he's not attractive or anything. Yeah. I just felt like there were a couple parts where I felt like it was Gen X, Barbie, Ken, and I'm a millennial. And I'm like, I don't know if this is really for me. Like, if I'm really connecting with this. Mini fridges are so stupid. You can only fit a six pack in there. And the freezer is worthless. <laughs> they're, so, they're really good lines. I get it. That's why I enjoyed it. I'm not saying I didn't. I just... The freezer is worthless. The things I keep coming back to are some of that. I did like how the Mattel CEOs aren't bad. Like, they're just... Will Ferrell, I thought, was funny. And they're not, like, super evil. They're just evil corporate overlords. He just With wants, a heart of gold. He well, just wants he's tickle putting fights. Her, he's and, putting her in the box because he genuinely thinks that's what he's supposed to do. Right. Like, right. he's not got to save her. Because that's what they did with... Skipper, Skipper, when she went crazy. <laughs> so, so yeah. So I liked that cha- little narrative change. I did come away feeling like because she never w- connected with her Ken, and um, always said he was enough. And they kind of figured it out in the end that she didn't have feelings for him and that she was her own person and stuff. But I do feel like the they missed a point where you can make the case that having a Ken, a good partner Ken, makes you a better person. I do sure, like that. But, sure, but maybe not that Ken specifically. Maybe not that Ken and that Barbie specifically. Yeah. yeah. I liked it in the opposite to where it was just saying, at least in Ken's point of view, that you need to figure yourself out and know who you are before you want to make a commitment. Yeah. Yeah. But I did kind of, part of me kind of wish she ended up with a good partner in the end. But that's okay. She's fine well, on her own. that's what Barbie 2 is for. Yeah. And Barbie 3. <gasps> Barbie 2. She can find her Ken. Yeah. Oh, Mattel is already starting their list of Oh, I saw this. Franchises. I saw this article with like 16 titles. Polly Pocket. Polly Pocket. Yeah. Uno. Yeah. Monopoly. Rock'em Sock'em Robots. The Uno one is hilarious to I, me, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're, they're, they just throw their names at a wall. Like right. they just found all of their products no, and they were everything. like put out that whole list throw, it doesn't matter they throw the names at like creatives and they're like someone create something around this rinse recycle repeat yeah, yeah this is the whole yep. um the poly pocket is just has to be a remake of the matt damon movie where he gets shrunk down right <laughs> yes like sure, it, it has to be <laughs> even i haven't seen that movie. no i haven't either i've seen <laughs> downsizing seen downsizing i mean it has to be that I mean, it can't be. Right. It's that, but with brighter colors. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't. The script's already there. Just buy that from them. Yeah. It's the the whole thing is like, they are so aggressive with this. This is why these things get out of control. It's like, right. let's mm-hmm. pick like three projects. Yeah. That three projects at a time that we can get started. And the first project that you should have before any of these other ones is Barbie 2. Yep. Because... People forget maybe, about sequels. We've seen this. Maybe finish out this franchise before you start another one. But get two in the can and then yeah. start on something else. Like continue this wave. Like get it done in a year and a half. But also recognize that what you have here with this Barbie movie is lighting in a bottle. I mean, obviously, oh, for sure. the name helps. It's probably the biggest brand outside of Uno. But, <laughs> but, but it... at the same time, just with the people attached yeah. to it, the filmmaker that you have, the fact that they were uh that 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 the studio kind of let go of the leash and let them actually 
make it to their full creative ability rather than be hindered. At least I didn't feel like the movie. But that's was what being WB hindered. does. Like WB right. does this almost better it's, than anybody else. They do. At, at least it's that. But even still, once you get a taste, they'll want to. I I feel like Mattel will want to dabble more into like how they want their stuff to right. be. Well, of course. Shown. Oh, of course. So and it's a slippery slope in my opinion. And then by Mattel movie eight or nine, it'll be on Netflix. Or yeah. it'll be a series there, and nobody cares about it. They won't it. become theatrical releases anymore. No, they'll just be no, streaming because fodder. there'll be so so much garbage in there. You have to really like curate these. But if you have something that works, that's going to make a billion dollars internationally. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to do this again. You have to run it back immediately. Well, I think part of what what would make it super strategic for Mattel and any filmmaker is look for an underserved group of people because I do feel like this. Even though it's all audience, I do feel like it's a, a film for women that's kind of a woman tone. Yes. And yeah. and it's it really feels like one of the first films in a really, really long time that are just not like, here's a romantic love film or here's a comedy. or It just felt like a fun escape film. I think fun being the operative word there. Mm-hmm. Fun film for women. And I think that's what you're seeing. And that's why you're seeing such, you know, like people going out despite conservative criticisms and you know and the critics we see these you know a couple times a year the the idea of a chick flick right like that's a term we bandy about the office when we see movies like this in the lineup but they're always like raunchy r-rated comedies yeah or they're pg period pieces or or they're yeah romance heavy heavy duty dramas dramas. yeah or they're pg like whitewash pg-13 romantic comedies love again yeah love again (laughs) like there's something like that that's just like straight across the board this is exactly what happens this must be what women want like dumbed down just stupid and this was clever and funny and smart and it deserves all the praise and all the tickets it sold definitely i mean we have plenty of bad movies that do big grosses right but this is a good movie that did it a good gross. yeah this really was one of the most refreshing weekends that i've had for movies in a while like i genuinely was walking into movie theaters and feeling authentic joy to go to the movies from other people and it was mm-hmm. just really nice to see that these smart movies coming from these smart filmmakers are being able to do what they want to do and then audiences are attaching themselves to it yeah yeah no, it's been, it was very refreshing. I wish more studios would take notice. I feel like the lessons they're learning from this is not the right lessons. They're going to be the wrong ones. Yeah. But Disney's I, already hiring AI. I know. I was, I was really, I really enjoyed it. And I'm actually now looking forward to Oppenheimer. I, I was not looking forward to that film thinking it was going to be boring and terrible, but this. Barbie got me enthusiastic and now about it. It is going to be boring and terrible. I know. For you. I'm probably going to get back to this in a but week. But we have or bought so. tickets. We are going. Oh well, lessons that the studios need to be learning were taught to them this week yeah. by the U- UPS <laughs> and the Teamsters. Yep. Thank got- you, UPS and Teamsters. So as soon as With the deadline looming, yes, as the deadline was looming, they managed to get a deal done. So UPS workers aren't going to be going on strike. They're going to get so much more money now. I was $49 an hour I, for full-time workers. I was blown away by this. Yeah. Like I don't I I obviously can't appreciate UPS FedEx drivers more. Like they work their asses off. You mm-hmm. see them in the snow, you see them in the heat. Oh my gosh. And then during yes. this you find out that like only like 10% of their UPS trucks have air conditioning. 
Oh, like, it never that, work. Yeah, yeah, that was part of this whole thing. negotiation was like, we need air conditioning in all of our trucks. Right. My, my like, girlfriend's <laughs> brother works for a section of FedEx in this state, and he's in charge of like getting drivers, organizing the routes, and that sorts of thing. Every time he comes home, there's something wrong with the truck. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. or someone didn't show up, so they have to find someone else to do the tough jobs and the tough parts of the uh, dr- truck driving for them. But, so. but seeing this, $49 an hour means that a full-time UPS driver makes $100,000 a year. So and when, I am so happy for them. They, they, yeah. I, that's a hard job. It is such a hard job. Mm. You have to lift 50 pounds or more. And I am like, oh, my god. Oh, gosh. unless they come to our house where you order things where consistently Where I order furniture. <laughs> and then they're by themselves trying to lift it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Just beep at us and we'll come out and help you mm. with this. Because I feel so bad. They come rain or shine, like Ken said. There are some times where I don't even want to leave my house because it is so crappy outside. And yet they come no matter what. And so I just... They, they deserve so much more money because <laughs> I can't do what they do. But for every kid that's in high school right now, doesn't know what they're going to do. They don't, ref- they're going to go to UNLV, UCLA, yeah. University of Texas. I say you go to UPS right out of high <laughs> right school. Right out of high school. <laughs> and you Whether work- you want to go to college or not, no, if you just want to be a starter. Don't even think about college. Go out there yeah. and make that money. and. And get some get some work work ethic. Get some brown shorts, man. Get after right. it. This is this you is will be a so crazy much further number. along in life. It by the time you are thirty, than the people that went to college and get started in their and career. Know, Just make sure you protect your back, though. Yeah. <laughs> and I know the film companies are are not on this wave of incredible success that UPS is on. Mm-hmm. Since the pandemic, afterwards, they've become a an invaluable resource there's no way to put a number on what these what ups and fedex are worth to the u.s economy what our postal workers are worth Mm -hmm. getting things to us when we're not able to leave our houses or that we don't want or then we choose not to after the fact Choose not to yeah and it's like oh this is like a real thing like a real thing not like something like every every month i get a package from ups one package it's like this is crazy i'm married to cody we get several a day yep (laughs) (laughs) but it's you know, the actors don't have the same sort of utility. That no. they're not a requirement for the U.S. economy to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. If there's not an actor, there'll be animators. If there's not, there'll be something in the pipeline. The AI thing that you just mentioned, it'll be there'll be something there to replace them. But that being said, we have a model that works. We have something that's going forward. And if I were these people, if I were Bob Iger, if I were the Lex Luthor guy at Paramount. <laughs> You know who I'm talking about. Yep. <laughs> a hint at next week's topic. It looks like a it looks like a boiled egg. <laughs> That's so crazy. Did you know he directed Good Burger? Are you kidding me? He yep. was a director first. Yep. An so, actor, director, and then he made his way up. So to the he knows high what ranks. the struggles are. Yep. Again, a great hint for next week's episode. Oh, he knows what the struggles are. But if I were these places, this is the perfect opportunity to as the film companies to kick the can down the road seven years and say we we agree to these terms you're not getting everything we'll give you most of this kick the can down the road and then spend the next seven years perfecting your ai perfecting all these things that you want to do moving forward Mm -hmm. and then cut off cut off the the tree then all right (laughs) go crazy then but you don't have the things aren't good enough now for you to pursue this right like go go after them then, but we have seven years of opportunity to really shore up this industry right. after a three year <laughs> shutdown. They really need to figure it out too, because their whole 
you know, model based off TV and, you know, movie theaters is they're, they're ruining it with, by going streaming and direct to consumer. I mean, I know it's been always been a dream of these media companies to have direct to consumer access, but it just seems to be not, I don't know, the golden goose that they think it is. And so they have destroyed what has worked for decades, giving them tremendous resources and profits and at the expense of this idea of direct to consumer. And so until they figure that out and which will take a couple of years, they need to, I think, hobble along the, the system that we have for now. Right. Make some small tweaks, get everybody on board. And then, yeah, I agree. My, my income is based on films going into theaters. Like I want this to continue, Mm -hmm. but genuinely i do not care if it's an actor if it's a a graphic designer somebody that's creating the film as long as i can play it in a theater and it makes money i don't care i don't i genuinely don't care brutal yeah i know it's just it's a it's a business it's yeah it's a hard business and it's a hard i i feel like it's a hard one to have a union with too because it's so non-essential yeah. Like we really don't have to have No, I love this idea actors of actors and movies and writers like actors and writers standing up and they have these really clever signs and then UPS is going to be just a bunch of people in brown shorts going yeah. good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Lift that package on your own. Yeah. No, get it. I'll give you whatever you want. Get it from Go ahead, ship the couch. Yeah. Get it from Memphis to Seattle in 14 hours. Right. Good luck. <laughs> oh, it. you don't have a plane? Oh, you don't have a hundred planes like we do? Mm. Oh, I'm so sorry. Good luck. <laughs> God. I know it just it puts it in perspective, but there are people struggling. This is a livelihood for them. And I do want them to see their raises and residuals and the thing I want them to want the writers and actors to profit from their from their hard work, from their genuine creativity from their hard work. I want everybody should profit from that. What you create as a human being, you should profit from. And I think we can all yeah. agree to that. It's just the extent that studios need you, that the industry needs you. Maybe there's just too many of you and that's the problem. And I don't know. I don't know how you fix that. There was so much content being made seven years ago when they signed this last one. And the yeah. content's going to get slowed down. And a lot of these companies, including the one we've been talking about today, Warner Brothers, with the addition of Discovery, mm-hmm. sees that most of their streaming money comes from reality shows where these people aren't trained actors. Right. Where they probably get $5,000 for an episode and they are pumped. <laughs> what do you mean? I just have to try to date these cougars on Cougar Mountain? <laughs> I just have to be naked and or afraid? Yeah. <laughs> well, get ready, because with this strike happening, there's going to be a lot more reality shows coming back. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe the studios will be happy about that. Or not maybe, they will be. (laughs) Yeah, we'll just have to see. I just, you know, at at first we didn't think it was going to have any short-term effects, but now it looks like the short-term is coming up quicker than we think. And Yeah, it's looking like Warner Bros. is considering moving Dune to the beginning or the first quarter of 2024, I believe. And they're also having debates about what to do with Wonka, the color purple, um... Aquaman, that's their other one that's going to be in that Christmas corridor. And we're already seeing other studios like Lionsgate having Whitebird be removed from August. I don't and... think that has to do with the release schedule. I think that's just Lionsgate fumbling Whitebird. They oh, okay. don't know what to do with it. It gotcha. is not unre- def- That one's definitely <laughs> at, unrelated. At, 
okay. Because they yeah. have really messed up this white bird. This is not the first time they've put it on a release schedule and taken and it off. And then it off completely. the third time they've yeah. done this. At I this re- point, it's probably going to be sold then. But, yeah. I mean, Dune, Dune is a... This one's an unknown quantity because the first one did not do great. I'm just I'm really surprised they made a second one because it was. Like I'm not because they opening. did pretty well. It was a small. It was like a fifty million dollar opening on yeah, a two hundred million dollar movie. They, but I'm pretty sure that was day Dean. and date still. Yeah. Correct. I, I don't disagree with that. I just think it was a small opening think, to get a sequel. Well, no, I think Legendary no. got screwed because it was day and date, and we saw. The numbers were not strong, but there was so much praise for it and so much interest in it, and they did get a lot of downloads. So I do think that when we look back, our grosses don't paint the full picture of the potential of that film. Okay. Well, it is it is an unknown quantity in the fact that if they 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 opened it in October last time, yeah. So yeah. you have no idea what this is going to do. I mean, October is a, a strange month anyway. It is. So if they open it. In the holiday corridor, which are they planning on? The start of the holiday corridor. Yeah. In November, right? Right. So that automatically adds a, a percentage to the gross. You would Putting think. it at a time. Yep. And now if they're going to move it to a completely different time, you have no idea what it's going to do. <laughs> right. I do think that it's interesting that Warner signaled a potential move. They're the only major studio to publicly signal anything. Now, mm-hmm. they haven't moved anything, but... It's almost, this recording. almost like they're gearing up for some changes. It really depends on, they just had, Warners especially just had a film, The Flash, that they didn't have any of their major stars pushing the marketing on. And one of the things about The Flash not doing well, just the fact that it wasn't a very good movie, and I think they just missed the mark. But one of the th- takeaways was that they felt that they lost money because they didn't have their their cast actively marketing it, Being pr- on the promoting talk shows, it, doing the... any of that yeah. for various reasons. And so, and they didn't have their, the major star part of that. So I think that is that definitely a lesson in the, that studio executives are looking at and Warner's particularly. And they said, if we go into this and we don't have a big, you know, a Dune cast that has a lot of people, especially, Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya being able to promote this, it might not be worth the marketing dollars to do this. Yeah, I think uh, it probably it was an oversight on our part to not consider like with the actors being on strike mm-hmm. that they wouldn't be part of marketing at the same time. Right. But I think we overlooked that because we have just generally come to realize that stars, movie stars, don't necessarily have that pedigree anymore of like being the sole reason an audience drives themselves to see a movie. Right. I think Dune is kind of the exception because it's recognizable names like Chalamet and Zendaya and Jason Momoa, however many else there are. And it's just such a crazy hodgepodge of great actors that that's part of the intrigue more than most other tentpoles out there. So I, I get the logic behind it, but I really hope this doesn't get pushed back because I do think this could be good. It would be devastating. I think for, for theaters because it it's not just Warner Brothers pushing stuff back. It could signal to other studios. It will be others. Yeah, Disney could move the Marvels back. Then you know you know what do you have at that time? It, I don't know if Sony happened. would do anything. I, not that I think Craven the Hunter is going to be big, but Sony could move their stuff. It just would be such a loss for theaters. Mm-hmm. I do think that what we're going to see initially in the next few weeks is a lot of the festival circuit films the smaller independents 
they'll probably move because they do heavily rely on talent being present at these festivals and these screenings. And that drums up interest in their films. And if they send, you know, their, their films to these festivals and no one's really there promoting it and trumping it up, then I do think that will affect them for Oscars and things like that down the road. So I think we're going to, I think film festivals are, especially fall ones are going to be really, you yeah. know, I even award shows could be pushed back. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I see for color purple. Like it's really important for it to be a limited Christmas release. Yes. And do that really important out. for it to be there. Yeah. And then run through and January through the and February circuit. and, and yeah. really hit right when it's supposed to, if they, which it looks like it's going to be, I mean, it's a, it's a musical, which is crazy. First of all, <laughs> They don't normally do well. No, they don't. But it's just, it's a musical. It's a tough it, subject matter. Yeah, yeah, but it's its good. It's perfect timing for this movie. And if it right. goes any later, it will be too late. Right. And then Aquaman. I, the first Aquaman was a was a December Christmas release. It was. Yeah, big success. And, and it was a huge success. But it was only a December Christmas release because of the way the DC calendar laid out. Right. They they were like, well, if, if Justice League had been the Christmas release, then it would have been the summer release. It was just how quick can we get these out in order. Mm-hmm. But I think it benefited because when you do do one of those Christmas releases, there's nothing usually in January. So if it's any decent of a film, it'll gain word of mouth and grow and have legs. And I'm hoping for that for this next Aquaman. But I do have a fear that this one's not going to be as good as the first one. And all yeah. this is why, because apparently... Warner's was really high on the flash because their test screenings were off the charts. People just love this Michael Keaton. And yeah. And so they were really high on it. And, and and they're using this. This was the movie of the year in January, in January because they're, they were getting such positive feedback from their test screenings. Now they're still test screening Aquaman, but they haven't figured out the ending yet. So they've had to reshoot things for like the third time. And it's just getting very muddled and the test screenings came back worse than previous test screenings. And I'm like, how are we, how are we still relying on these test screenings that so poorly miss the mark on flash? So I'm just, I'm worried multiple, about Aquaman. You have multiple directors, you have Amber Heard out. Multiple p- producers, yeah. uh, studio executives trying to tweak their own, you know, now that you have, because you went from the old team when it was greenlit of the old DC studio bosses, uh, was, was it Walter Hamada and yeah, I think and so. Toby Emmerich to um, that Abby DeLuca and the the guys that yeah, are, there was another guy, but I'm spacing on who it right, was now. To now you've got the actual new DC bosses of mm. James Gunn. So they, under they've, Zaslav now, yeah, yeah, and they've all got their little tweaks in it. So. We'll see how that how that one works out. So that one might move, not because of the writer strike, but because they have added more reshoots and the special effects house might not be able to get it done in time. Yeah, that it that alone might be the move. That, if they were to make any changes for that December release, I would say Aquaman for sure is going to be the one. Right. They spent. I mean, they had to have spent so much money on the first Aquaman. That was one of the. When they are about ready to face off for the giant underwater battle, yeah, that was one of the grandest, most like, oh. biggest CGI things I've ever seen. And it was so good. Yeah. When everything, I mean, literally everything is CGI, and you're looking at like miles of ocean with all these mm-hmm. creatures getting ready to face off. It was mm-hmm. like, 
that scene itself had to cost like $30 million. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like some incredible amount. What is it? $200 million movie? $100 million went into that scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just this incredible amount of, of time and energy. I mean, they talk about how, like, with, with Spider-Verse, when they were putting it together, it was, like, every 30 seconds took them, like, two months. I wonder if... <laughs> or something crazy. It was, like, two weeks. Two weeks to get 30, 30 seconds of film completed. I wonder if this isn't a play by the studios, like, as, like, a warning shot to get the theaters on their side. Saying, oh, absolutely. You know, this as the longer the strike progresses, we might move our films off the release schedule, and then what are you going to do? So, I, actually, I actually did see... I couldn't find the actual article, but I was scrolling through twitter and saw um someone mentioned that the studios are planning to speak to nato uh to explain to them why the writer strike the actor strike is bad for them to which i thought they know they know but yeah. we know we're, we're also not you don't need to explain the, this but to the us. theaters can't do it. what are the we're not sitting at the table it? negotiating yeah, yeah it's not our money we're and why this is your money we're not that you get from us and we're upset as the writers are that you're putting everything on streaming so yeah, yeah. we're on we're on the side that's going to put movies in theaters with the theatrical window yeah that's whose side we're on and neither of you care about that you just want no nope. residuals paid differently you yeah. Want... yeah you figure your own stuff out right we're still here like we're good <laughs> yeah just we're keep, ready <laughs> keep bringing us movies but and, I do, I and do after think this it, weekend yeah we can do it we can we are doing it we right. are putting these out these huge numbers and creating when, new audiences and... i could see maybe warners might have legitimate cause for concern with dune but i i don't know i feel like if any other move won't be couldn't be directly tied to the writer's strike it would be other things no i i think that's a part of it for sure that's that's a reason. It's a threat, but it's a threat towards the wrong person. Yeah. I don't know what they think. Like the theaters are going to go to the actors and be like, Hey, you know, you don't have any stake in a movie theater, but you're really hurting us here. Yeah. Like what's, what's, what's NATO's they, response going to be? The creatives already turned their back on the, theaters when they started making so much product for streaming. The Ritz, so, the yeah. Ritz theater in Muskegon, Wisconsin is going to yeah. come out and call out, <laughs> call out Timothy Chalamet yeah. for holding, holding strong. We made $20 off of one guy's concessions. Do you want $5? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, Do you, don't talk about that. That's yeah. that's no, the whole stupid. Oh, Kyle, I don't probably should have spoken that. Some companies existence. would love to get a percentage. Yeah, of they think they are. Uh, would be like, no, wait a minute. We've heard that they before. Think they're that they owed think it. They deserve it. You wouldn't yeah, get I, concession I sales without our product. We're owed this. <laughs> yep. That's the whole. That was the whole foundation of stupid whatever the ticket thing was. The oh, you know, movie pass. Movie pass. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, thought yeah. that they could. They could go to the theaters, say, we'll we'll cover the tickets, and then we'll get all this data, and then we'll show how many people we're pushing to your theater, and then we want part of your concessions. Even though you didn't help deliver the concessions or help uh, no. make set up our stands. Prepare them, stock prepare it. Them, stock them. Pay yeah. for s- stolen things, broken things. Yeah. yeah. The employees. No. No. That's where MoviePass thought they were going to make their money was a play for the concession money. Yeah. I do remember that now. So. Right. <laughs> You open sorry. a can of worms, Kyle. Sorry for that joke. You are a can of worms. It, it, it was sarcastic. Yeah. Studios, please don't take Ken's this seriously. Ken's going to beat you off. <laughs> Watch out. As an Alan, I respond with, oh. No. Oh, my God. I think I enjoyed no. Barbie so much more sitting next to my Ken. And every time there was a Ken joke, I just was like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
that's the key to watching it find it a ken more... a friend a partner yeah you needed a ken to see that movie ken. it made it so much better Hon- honestly ken this is our time to shine i'm talking to all of you out there <laughs> ken kenny kenneth now is our time to shine as ken yeah. kyle we have south park but take that as you will we had south park too we got I it meant, worse i meant all kyle's Oh, well, you can't. Yeah, can't. Yeah, we okay, had yep. it worse. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I feel a little better now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy your monster energy drink and <laughs> leave us alone. Leave us alone over here. We have one of the, I mean, short of the uh, Leonard's and Poindexter's of the world. Right. Ken's have been shit on for a long time. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's our time to shine. Ken's with your 12 abs or your one giant ab in the middle. It's it's our time to shine. Why don't they make dad bod Ken? That's what Barbie really needs. They didn't even want pregnant pregnant Barbie. Oh yeah, Midge. <laughs> they don't oh, want, Midge. want fat Ken. I thought we discontinued you. <laughs> there, there's probably a fat Ken model hiding somewhere. It's the, not fat Ken. It's of, dad bod it's Ken. It's fine dad bod. Ken bod. Yeah. Ken bod. <laughs> Just tweak the name. You might have something. Yeah, no. I'm seeing a lot of like creative uses of the word Ken, and I'm like, I'm so glad they did not have these when I was growing up. It would have been way worse for Ken. Yeah. How's that Kenergy doing today? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, my my friends and group chats are already obsessed with that, and it's draining. I got I I grew up in the late '80s, early '90s. I got called Ken Dog way more times than I should have. Oh gosh. Oh. Amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, Amazing. I think on that note, we can wrap up the show. Yes. Everybody, enjoy your weekend. We have Haunted Mansion this week, Turtles on Wednesday, Ooh, and Turtles on Meg Wednesday. 2 on 8-4. Um, that's my dark very, horse, too. Very excited. It's throwing Barbie for the biggest opening of the summer. <laughs> for Good us, too, we'll make it happen. <laughs> Good <laughs> luck with that. I've got at least two tickets sold. <laughs> no, you have Oppenheimer tickets sold. Me and Kyle, I meant. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Fine. <laughs> Have a great We're weekend, ready. everybody. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Off the Break Podcast. Find us on all podcast platforms or at screeninsider.co. And be sure to like and follow our Facebook and Instagram pages at Off the Break Podcast.